Well, good morning. This is an incredibly <laughs> crazy week in which we have just finished, and we have another crazy week ahead of us apparently, but the reality is, is that we are children of God. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we talked last week, if we keep our eyes focused on him, we can be still, we can have the peace that passes understanding that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, as we are gathering together in the name of Christ, uh, I want to share with you just a tiny little bit of, of what God has been speaking to me over these last days, but especially in the last day and a half. I think it's kind of telling to me about the intimate relationship that we have with God when I explain to you that the reading that we just did this morning at the beginning of our service, Psalm 23, that was actually chosen as the scripture for the day more than a week ago, more than two weeks ago, I think. And I'm just, I am astounded how God speaks to me through his word, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through other people. And it's like the word that God gives me is exactly right for the moment in which I am at and what I'm facing. So this morning we read, as, our, as, a, as a body of believers, we read Psalm 23. Let's read it. Let, let me read it to us again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What I think is ironic is that that scripture passage was picked weeks ago, as I said, and it talks about the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. And God has directed me this morning to talk to you about that very fact. If you turn with me now to John chapter 10, I want to read a couple of selected scriptures out of that chapter. John chapter 10, we're going to be looking first of all at verses 1 through 6. Then we're going to look at chapter 10, verse 14. And then finally, chapter 10, verse 27. And I'm just going to read all, all three sections all at once. But chapter 10 of John, verses 1 through 6, chapter 10, verse 14, and chapter 10, 27. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then then, then in 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then finally in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It is the most comforting thought to me that I have a God that is so intimately involved with my life that God speaks to me and that I can know and recognize his voice. Now, I have had people say to me over the years, Pastor, how do you actually hear the I mean, do you actually hear a voice? And quite honestly, I cannot tell you that I have ever actually heard an audible voice from God. But I can tell you, I know when God is speaking to me. I know when it is from God and not just something else that's talking to me. Sometimes it's a a thought. Sometimes it's just a, as I'm reading the scriptures, that just like the verse just jumps out at the page at me. Sometimes it's through what someone else says. But at all times, when God is speaking to me, I have learned that it is definitely God. And I can, quote unquote, swear on a stack of Bibles that this is God's voice talking to me. Now, (laughs) I wish that I could give you a formula on how to hear God's voice. I really do. It would be so much easier. I mean, you know, I remember when I was a young adult and I was, I was 18 years old. Actually, I was 19. No, I was 18 years old because it was a week later that I turned 19. I was a week, I was 18 years old and, um, I met this drop dead gorgeous blonde. She was the pastor's daughter and, um, instantly I fell in love. Within a week we were dating. Within three months we were engaged. A year and a half later, we did get married. So we waited a little bit time after the engagement. But I knew that I was in love from the moment I saw her. Not really. I thought I might have been in love with her. I felt attracted to her. But I wasn't sure if what I was feeling was truly love. And so I went to someone whom I trusted and I said to them, how do you know when you're in love? And their words to me, were the most unsatisfying pieces of piece of advice I've ever received. Their words were, you'll just know. <laughs> ah! That is the most aggravating thing. If I don't know, how can I just know? But I can tell you, those words proved true. Because although I didn't know for sure I was in love with this beautiful blonde, I had a sense that I was. And as I began to test whether or not these emotions I was feeling were more than simply attraction, but that indeed they were love, 
it proved true. And now, 40 years later, because this year, June 14th, 2020, I have been married to this woman for 40 years. And I still love her desperately. My love has grown more for her, but I've never had to question, do I love her? Because I know that I know that I know that my love is real and genuine. In that same way, Christians can know when God is speaking, speaking to them. We can recognize the voice of our shepherd. And I, I can't tell you the formula for how, but what I can do is I can point you to someone in the scriptures who had to learn how to hear the voice of God. And that person then did effectively learn how and then was able to live the life that God called them to and be used of God in a powerful way. So turn with me now, if you will, to the book of First Samuel. First of all, we're going to be looking at First Samuel chapter 3. And you probably already know who I'm talking about. The, the, the person's name is Samuel. <laughs> the book that was named by... Anyway, let's go. So turn with me to chapter 3, and we're going to read just the very first few verses of chapter 3. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and the boy said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, my son. Now lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you, you say this, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. And then the Lord revealed to him his plan. And we don't need to read the rest of the story because the focus of what we're looking at is hearing the voice of God. But I want to I emphasize a couple things here in this. First of all, it said at the very beginning, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. That was, there was no frequent vision. So at that point in time, it was not normal for everyone to walk around saying, well, I hear the voice of God. So it wasn't common practice or something that Eli, I mean, excuse me, that Samuel would have expected to be going on in his own life. But then look at verse 7. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So here we have the statement that Samuel, a young child, had not yet come into vital relationship with God. He didn't know him. 
And the word of God had not yet been revealed to him. So here we have this child who is serving in the house of God, who's watching the priests do all of the daily sacrifices and all the liturgy of what, what it means to be in the temple or in the tabernacle. But Samuel does not have a one-to-one relationship with God at this point, other than he's just working in the church. And when God begins to woo him or draw him or speak to him, because we believe in what's called prevenient grace, which means when you don't know God, when you are out of relationship with God because you're a sinner, it is God who draws you first. God seeks you into relationship. And you have to learn how to respond to that. And so that's exactly what happened here with Eli. I mean, excuse me, with Samuel. He thought Eli was calling him, and so he ran as, as he would. You called me, what do you need? And Eli's like, nah, go to bed, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. And it happened the third time, and finally Eli's like, oh my word, something's going on here that's way beyond anything. Because it's not normal for the voice of God to be heard. See, Eli wasn't expecting that God would be speaking to Samuel either, because it's not normal. God did not, the voice of the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, chapter 3, verse 1 says. So, so Eli recognizes that something supernatural is going on here. And so Eli gives instruction to this boy who doesn't know anything and says, if he calls you again, this is what you do. And he gave him very specific instructions. So for me, what that says is, is that it is possible for me to teach someone else how. <laughs> Unfortunately, God doesn't always speak audibly. He doesn't physically come and stand in the room and say, Bob, Bob, I have a word for you. But it is possible for me to describe to somebody else, this is my experience, and I would recommend to you that you simply say, God, speak to me. I'm listening. Because that's what, that's what Eli told Samuel. If you sense that God is trying to communicate with you in some form or fashion, then I would say to you, be quiet, be still, focus on God, and say, God, are you really trying to speak to me? What is it that you want? Now, some people would say, well, the reality is, how do you know it's God? Well, again, how do you know it's not God? I believe from what Jesus said in John chapter 10, that the shepherd calls to his sheep. The sheep recognize his voice and follow him. They don't recognize voices of strangers and they run from the strangers. So if you hear something going on in your world and you sense you're being drawn to it and you stop and say, is this you, God? If you have a sense of wariness or, or unease, I would walk away from that quickly. I would sense that, no, that ain't God. Because you know what? My understanding of God is that God is love. God would never, ever, ever cause me to feel anxious or fearful in the sense that, you know, that, that what, what is being said to me is going to draw me into danger or to, to, to harm. I believe that God would draw me towards himself for safety and protection and love and encouragement and empowerment, not for harm. And so I would have to say to you 
that if you sense God drawing you and you say, God, is this you? And you sense that it truly is God, then you start following it. That's the best I can tell you. Now, let me show you. Um, let's let's move further on in, in, in uh, Samuel's life where Samuel has to put into practice the skill that he has attained of hearing the voice of God. Now, we, we don't have time to go through the entire book of 1 Samuel. We just don't. You can read it for yourself and you'll see there is time after time after time where it literally says the word of the Lord came to Samuel. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. He did this. He did this. He did this. But if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, you will see the time after King Saul has been rejected by God because of his disobedience where Samuel receives a word from God. So let's go to chapter 16 of 1 Samuel Verse, verse, and it says, the Lord said to Samuel, here again, that's the word of God coming to Samuel. Did God specifically speak audible words to him? I don't know. I kind of doubt it. I sense it was more like how I received word from God. Is it, I I have an impression, I have a thought, I have a a reading or or something, but I, I don't know Samuel's experience. But it's, it is definite that God spoke to him. So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you. And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, I come peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came... He looked on Eliab and he thought, surely, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, These remain, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in, and now David was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And I want to I wanna emphasize a few verses here because I, to me this shows how clearly Samuel has learned to listen to the voice of God. The one thing I want you to see, first of all, is that God didn't give him the full plan. He didn't just download the whole plan. There you go. This is what I expected you to do. Now go do it. Look at what it says here. It says, um, 
Samuel in chapter in chapter 16, verse 2 says, Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears, he'll kill me. So at this point, all God has told Samuel in verse 1 was fill your horn, go. I want you to go to Bethlehem, to Jesse, and I want you to anoint one of his sons. And Saul's like, what? So there's just that first thought. God reveals a thought to to Samuel, go to Bethlehem, anoint one of Jesse's sons. He is to be king in place of Saul. What? God, what are you saying to me? You know as well as I do that if I go to Bethlehem and anoint Jesse's son as a king, Saul's going to hear about it. He's going to kill me and he'll probably kill the kid that I anoint. What are you talking about, God? Is this really you? And then God said, I want to show you how I want you to go about doing this, Samuel. I want you to take a heifer with you. And I want you to tell the leaders of the city that you've come to do a sacrifice, which is what you are going to do, so you're not lying. And I want you to invite Jesse and his sons to that sacrifice, so that from the outside, and Saul's little conspirators, anybody who would whisper into Saul's ears, all you're doing is coming to do a religious ceremony and to offer a sacrifice and you've invited the elders of the village of Bethlehem, including Jesse and his sons. Well, I could do that, God. That makes sense. I could do that. And so that's exactly what Samuel did. He brings a heifer. He goes with the, the horn of oil. He comes to Bethlehem and he is confronted by the leaders of the city and they go, wow, what are you doing here, Samuel? And Samuel says, I've come to offer a sacrifice. You're all invited. And I also want Jesse and his sons to come. And we're all going to have this. So then they prepare the sacrifice. And then they get ready to have the meal following the sacrifice. And then Jesse, and then, then God reveals the next part of the plan. So turn, go ahead and look down and, and, and look at uh, verse 6. When they came, when the sons of Jesse came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, well, surely that's the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, hear that? Don't get ahead of me, Samuel. Don't start trying to take things your way, Samuel. Don't start trying to second guess my plan, Samuel. I haven't revealed that part to you yet. I told you that you're going to anoint somebody who's here tonight. That's true. But I have not yet revealed to you who, and you are not to get ahead of yourself. Okay, Lord, what's going on? Don't look at the outside appearance, Samuel. That's not how you discern my will. I look at the heart. I need you to listen for my heart. I need you to listen clearly to my words. And so God allowed Jesse to pass all of his sons except for the youngest before Samuel. And I can't help but wonder that while that was happening, Samuel is trying very carefully to listen clearly for the voice of God saying, that's the one. Now again, this is after years of honing this skill. I mean, had it been an eight-year-old child who was just still learning how to hear the voice of God, there's no way Samuel could have successfully heard from God and anointed the right person. But Samuel is now an old man, and he has spent his entire life honing the skill of listening for the voice of God. 
and discerning when indeed it truly is God. And as we're reading here, not only does he hear the voice, but he knows how to carefully discern step by step by step the plan as he walks out whatever it is that God's doing in and through him. So finally, it gets to the point where it's like, everybody's gone by God. I mean, we've invited everybody and Jesse was told to bring his sons and they've all passed in front of me and not a single one of them have you said anything to. What am I supposed to do now, God? And I can, I can hear God whispering to Samuel, ask him if he's got any more sons. Oh, I didn't even think about that being a possibility, God. Well, of course, that makes sense. Okay. Hey, Jesse, are these all your boys or do you have any others? Oh, well, I, I got one other, but he's just a kid. I mean, we just, we, he's out in the field with the sheep. Well, I'm sorry, but we can't go any farther in this celebration until all of your sons come. Because see, I asked you for all of your sons, Jesse. Oh, okay. So they sent for David and David comes. And as soon as David walks in the door, now the Holy Spirit of God whispers to Samuel, that's the one. Anoint him. And so Samuel steps up and anoints David in the presence of his father and his brothers and all the elders of, of Bethlehem. At least that's what I understand because they were at a, a, a gathering. It could be that it was done privately. I don't know because we're not given that. All I know is this process that Samuel went through of listening carefully to the voice of God and following step by step by step as God outlined the plan. And so that to me is one of the most Primary examples of what it means to hear the voice of God and to learn how to follow it. Samuel is an incredible, incredible example to us. And we have the promise of Jesus in John chapter 10 that all of Jesus' followers will know his voice. Chapter 10, verse 24, was it? Yeah, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And because you can hear, that's a promise from Jesus that you'll be able to hear his voice. And this is an example from Samuel that we can learn not only to hear it, but how to discern what God is saying to us. My challenge to you is, are you practicing that right? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you could honestly this morning say, I have heard the voice of God and known that it was indeed God directing me? And of that, how many of you have had an experience like Samuel, where God revealed part of the plan to you, and you had to continue to listen step by step by step as God opened further and further and further the plan? Well, I can tell you, for my own experience, that's exactly how my life has gone. God has not told me everything. I don't think I could handle all of it at once. But in the right moment, at the right time, he reveals to me the truth that he needs me to know. He reveals to me the part of the plan that he needs me to know. And as long as I continue to walk faithfully, he will continue to give me further insight, further discernment, and I will continue to hear his voice. And so in these perilous times in which we find ourselves, God has given each one of us the opportunity, first of all, to be in relationship with him. Once you're in relationship with him, you have a promise from Jesus that you will hear his voice and you will know it. 
And then finally, if you will practice the skill of hearing his voice, God will give you clear directions of how God expects you to live and walk in these hard times. And if you're doing what God asks of you, then there's no need for fear. There's no need for anxiety because God's got your back. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a righteous, strong tower to which you can run and hide. He is a rock that envelops you or undergirds you or over, over, overshadows you so that you are safe. But at the same time, while we are living in these perilous times, we have great opportunity to minister the love of God to the people around us. And the only way you can effectively do that is if you listen to the voice of God and follow what God tells you. You can't depend just on your pastor. Yes, it's my job to spend time listening for the voice of God and to try to lead you. But it is also yours to do. And so I encourage you in these days over the next next week, spend some time prayerfully meditating on the life of Samuel. Look at all of that book of Samuel. Watch for each of the times where it says the word of the Lord came to Samuel and see how it interplayed with between God and Samuel and how Samuel followed and how he learned. And then I encourage you to sit quietly and to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then wait to hear what your God will say to you. I guarantee you, he'll talk if you'll listen. Let's pray.